0: Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled The Fresh Wind of the Spirit, and is part of our sermon series titled Psalms for the Road. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Our scripture today comes from Psalm 104. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you form to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I'm really grateful to see your faces today. Uh, Leslie can attest, Dave, the singers, others, how much communication we have that is nonverbal when we stand up front here and see your responses coming back. To the preaching, to the singing, to the praying, there's so much there. I mean, to this point, I've kind of just had to assume that you're all smiling behind your masks and nodding along gently, bless his heart, kind of thing. But today, as we enter again, I'm I'm brought to a a new understanding almost of the communion of the saints, of the communion that we have one with another in nonverbal communication, in the way that our eyes and the way our expression communicates with one another. It's a blessing to me as, as a preacher and as a leader on these days that we might be brought into fellowship together and seek a word from the Lord today. So let us pray as we come into God's Word. With your Word that you have given now, Lord, send forth your Spirit that we may be created anew, our Lord and our God. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Maybe the most elusive member of the Trinity, and it goes way back, because you can even think about the Apostles' Creed that we say, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Jesus gets a whole paragraph about him. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. It's like on a list of other things, right? The Holy Spirit seemed to kind of get short shrift In our theology from the very beginning and we kind of understand why that is I think in some ways because we can kind of understand God the Father pretty easily right even if it's only by analogy we kind of get what it means to have a father in heaven and we kind of find it a way to understand who Jesus the Son is he put on flesh and became human born of a woman he lived on this earth he died on a cross and was raised again for us and for our salvation. We can understand most of that and even theologize about the incarnation of God and what that might mean for us. But the Holy Spirit is a little more difficult to grasp for many of us. The Spirit won't be reduced to our analogies or our tools of reason. The Spirit is that person of the Trinity who shows up as unpredictable and indescribable. The Spirit shows up at unexpected times, in unexpected times and unexpected places and unexpected ways. Spirit shows up in upper rooms and in prisons. Spirit shows up in the wilderness and in dreams. There is nothing tangible to which we can compare the Spirit. But one thing that we do see in Scripture over and over again, is that when you read the Holy Spirit is coming, we better buckle our seat belts because business is about to pick up. Action is about to start happening in a new way. Over and over again, I think what we see in scripture that the Holy Spirit is the creative power of God at work making all things new. The Holy Spirit is the creative power of God at work making all things new. Nowhere is this more apparent than on the day of Pentecost. What a scene this was, right? Tongues of fire on the heads of the disciples, rushing wind coming through the room, people speaking in tongues in languages that they'd never spoken before. And it might make us, who are trying to understand the Holy Spirit when our rational minds go, whoa, 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 whoa. Father, I understand. Son, I get. This guy, I don't know. Speaking in tongues is another place. But the point is that people were being drawn to Jesus. People were being drawn to Jesus. The Spirit created the church on that day that started with the fearful disciples huddled up in a room together, and it makes me wonder what the Spirit might create of us today, how the Spirit might take where we are and what we have and create something new. We talk about Pentecost being the day that the Holy Spirit came, but in truth, the Spirit has always been here, eternally existent with the Father and the Son in the Trinity. But the Spirit we read about is even in Genesis chapter one, when we read of the Spirit of God hovering over the deep waters at creation. The Spirit has always been present and active, but Pentecost brings a new manifestation of the work of the Spirit being poured out and creating the church of Jesus Christ. That's what we find in Psalm 104 this morning as well. I encourage you to read and pray through this psalm for it's a big, beautiful psalm of the creative and providential works of God, the way that God brought all things into being, the way God sustains all things by his grace. From the birds of the air to the Leviathans of the deep, to the mountain goats up on their crest, all things have God as their creator and as their sustainer. The psalmist says of God in verse four, you make the wind your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. Sound familiar? Wind and fire. You set the earth on its foundation so that it can never be shaken. So from the birds of the air to the beasts of the deep, all things find their beginning and their sustenance in God. And so we are brought to verse 30 which reads, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. Verse 29 says, when you remove your breath, they die. The two sides of the coin. There is something about God's Holy Spirit that is the creative power of God, the spirit that gives life to bodies. In Hebrew and in Latin, the words for spirit and breath and wind are virtually identical. In Acts, we read that the Spirit comes with the sound of a rushing wind and an appearance like tons of fire. These are the symbols that we come to associate with God's Spirit. And Frederick Buechner writes that like its counterparts in Hebrew and Greek, the Latin word spiritus originally meant breath. And breath is what you have when you're alive and what you don't have when you're dead. Spirit equals breath equals life. The Spirit is life for us individually and together as God's family in the church. The wind that blew over those waters at creation and into the body of Adam and Eve to give them life. The wind that blew open those waters of the Red Sea so that God's people might be delivered on dry land. Something powerful is going to happen As when Elijah was up on that mountain and the wind blew past him in his meeting with God. The Spirit is working. And that was the case with this little band of fearful disciples in Jerusalem at Pentecost. The Spirit is at work creating new life, creating new life. We read of that work in Psalm 104. And it's not just life in the realm of the created order of nature, right? Plants and animals, mountain goats and leviathan, but it's in us as well. It's in us human beings created in the image of God, being made alive by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is creating and bringing life to us. One of my professors in seminary was a guy named Jim Loder, who was one of those brilliant minds who brought together philosophy and theology and psychology and physics and sort of understood it all in a beautiful way. But he also had this experience of the Holy Spirit in his life that overwhelmed all things and bound them together. When he spoke of the Spirit's work, Dr. Loder put it this way in his book, it is the personal author of the universe whose spirit alone can set the human spirit free from its proclivity to self-inflation, self-doubt, self-absorption, and self-destruction, and free from the magnificent obsession to participate in the spirit of God and to know the mind of God. Part of the creative work of God's Holy Spirit is to set us free. TO SET US FREE NOT JUST FROM THE EXPECTATIONS AND THE TEMPTATIONS THAT ARE OUT THERE, BUT THE ONES THAT ARE IN HERE AS WELL. ONES THAT MIGHT FALL UNDER THOSE VERY SAME HEADINGS OF SELF-INFLATION, SELF-DOUBT, SELF-ABSORPTION, AND SELF-DESTRUCTION. THE SPIRIT OF GOD TEARS DOWN THOSE IDOLS IN OUR LIVES and breaks the chains that have bound us to make us free people, truly free, to be the people that God created us to be from the very beginning and calls us to be in this day and time. But the problem for many of us is the Spirit doesn't always paint by our numbers. The Spirit doesn't always color inside the lines that we have laid out. And too often for so many of us, it becomes apparent that we're really just trying to get God on our page rather than to get ourselves onto God's page in what he wants us to do and to be. The Spirit is God on the loose to do those things that only God can do in a way that only God can do them for God's own sake. And it came to me this past week that maybe, just maybe, the greatest lesson of Pentecost that we see in this passage is that when God gets ready to do something, God is going to do whether we are ready or not. I mean, look at this scene. Where are the disciples? Hiding in the upper room, hoping no one can find them. They didn't have a new members committee ready to receive 3,000 members. They didn't have the baptismal font ready to baptize 3,000 people. How in the world were they going to make it all happen? They didn't even have a committee in place. Nobody was prepared for what the Spirit was creating. But when the Holy Spirit showed up, guess what? None of it mattered. Because God had decided that that was the day that those things were going to happen. And so the preparation or lack of preparation was no factor for God's spirit being on the move and drawing people to Jesus Christ. It has been said that God doesn't call the equipped, but that God equips those whom he calls to his service. And I think that's true here in Acts chapter 2. I think that too often in our lives of faith, we keep thinking that the gospel is about what we can do for Jesus. When the reality of the truth of the gospel is that it is all about what God has unilaterally done for us in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we could do nothing for God. That's the gospel what God has done in Christ by the power of the Spirit to set us free, to redeem us, to redeem our lives from the pit. The Gospel is all about God's work, and Pentecost following on that is the unilateral act of God to rush in and rescue His sons and daughters in the world by the power of His Holy Spirit. God is living, God is active. And do we live like that as a church, as if that is the ultimate reality of our life, individually and together, that God is living and active, God's spirit is still rushing and moving, creating and making all things new? Is that sense of divine expectation part of our life together? Do we really think that God is up to something? Or is it our best ideas and our best efforts? George Barnett does a lot of religious polling. And his research group found that sadly, one-fifth of the young adults who attended church as a teenager and then left, fully 20% of them reported that they left because God seems missing from their experience of church. if anything, should seem like it's missing. God? What might the Spirit create among us as an act of God? What if we were to pray for God's Spirit to create something new in us individually and together as a church family? What if we took a minute even to reflect on what God might already be creating in our midst by the creative work of the Spirit? Individually and together as a church family, would we be ready for what God might do? Would we be open to what God might do? Can we make space for what God might do in our own lives and in our life together as a church? One thing is certain. We would have to be prepared because when the Spirit fills people, stuff gets real. Things change. Just look at Peter in the book of Acts. The same Peter who was so scared to admit that he had ever met Jesus is the same one who preached and 3,000 people came to follow Jesus on that same day. His life changed forever because he was redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with God's Holy Spirit. He was created as a new creation. He was transformed and liberated by the power of God that overtook him and emptied out all of those self-things about him and filled him up with a greater spirit than he had ever known. That is God's creating spirit. And that's what happens when we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, as those early Christians were at Pentecost. Buechner writes further about the spirit. To speak of a person's spirit or soul is to speak of the power of life that is in them. When the spirit of a person is unusually strong, the life in them is unusually alive. They can breathe that life into other lives and become literally inspiring. Inspiring. And I believe that is what is happening in Acts chapter two at Pentecost. The early church became so filled with the spirit of God that it flowed out of them, that spirit flowed out of them to inspire those who were around them. And the people around them had no explanation for what was going on. Their best guess was that they were drunk. Would people ever think we were that out of our minds? That they had no explanation for what was going on with us? The Spirit is said in the New Testament at times to have filled buildings and spaces, but more often than not, when we read of the Holy Spirit filling, it is filling people men and women, to do the work of God. Part of what I believe the Spirit is creating today in the church is a remembrance that the church is not a place where, but a people who. The church is not a place where, it is a people who. And I believe that has been cultivated over the course of the last year, as for much of it we've been isolated from one another. It is good to be back at 101 Colville Road in this building. But what if understanding the church is not about this building, but about the places that God sends us throughout the other days of the week? One pastor in England put it this way. He said, we ended our event-style gatherings last year and in January, we announced that our, that our church, that we are located where our people are and not where our buildings are. Where's Westminster Presbyterian Church? Is it at the building at the corner of Randolph and Colville? Or is it wherever you and I may find ourselves? At work and at play, at school, at the gym, at the park, at the cookout, wherever it might be. Is that where Westminster Presbyterian Church is? For maybe that's the true lesson of Pentecost this morning. The spirit is alive and moving, not in buildings of brick and mortar, but in the flesh and blood of human beings whom God has graciously called his sons and daughters. And so may we pray together Individually for our own lives, come Holy Spirit. For our church and our corporate life together, come Holy Spirit. Empower that we might indeed point others toward the one who has lit us aflame with the love of Christ. I share with you in closing today one of my favorite prayers of Pentecost by the Catholic John Henry Newman. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me as we close the time of sermon today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come as holy fire and burn in us. Come as holy wind and cleanse us within. Come as holy light and lead us in the darkness. Come as holy truth and dispel our ignorance. Come as holy power and enable our weakness. Come as holy life and dwell in us. Convict us, convert us, consecrate us until we are set free from the service of ourselves to be your servants in the world. Amen. God, we do commit ourselves to you now. Thanking you for the witness of your Holy Spirit from the first chapter of Genesis to the end of Revelation, and even into our lives today, that you are creating things anew, that you are alive and at work, that you will never abandon your church, and that we might too be filled as those first Christians were. Come Holy Spirit, set us ablaze with your fire, that others might be brought near to the Lord as well in whose name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website, WestminsterCharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.